0: I'm originally from Oklahoma. So, yes, Oklahoma, yes. And if anybody from my hometown, I'm sure my parents are going to watch this. Hello, everyone back in Davis, Oklahoma. Um, but I, I originally um, went to a small church called Darty, uh, uh, Darty First Baptist. Maybe 75 people on a really busy day is how many we would have. Um, I come from a line of uh, pastors. My granddad was the pastor of that church for 15 years. And then my dad was a deacon and still is a deacon there and fills in as uh, the pastor at the church when needed. Um, a little bit more about me. My, uh, my beautiful wife is Mackenzie Richardson over there. And, and then I have a beautiful, as he mentioned, beautiful baby girl that is one month old and a couple of days. So um, it's very exciting. Lots of um, lack of sleep has been happening lately, as most of you that are parents understand that scenario. Um, but I... My wife has um, given me the term that I am a chatty Cathy. And if anyone that knows me very well, I can talk to a brick wall and it doesn't have to respond back. So for me, if I hem you up in the back of the church, you're probably going to be there for 20 or 30 minutes. So I do apologize. Uh, My father, uh, he told me when I was working on the sermon, I'm not very good about sermons that I just have one Sunday, 30 minutes, get it all in. I'm not good at that. I am better if I have like a six-week study that we could fit it all in. But I called my father for some advice, kind of figured out what I needed to do. And he said, well, you got three things to have a good sermon. He said, you got to have a poem, you got to have a joke, and you got to have three main points. And I said, okay. I said, well, I'm not good with poems, but I got one for my father this morning. Roses are red, violets are blue. Jesus loves you, that's the best I can do. So... And I kind of count that as my joke as well. But. (laughs) Today I want to talk about Jesus. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 verse 13 through 16. So I'll let everybody get there. I mean it is going to be up top. I do apologize. I tried my best to make it as big of um, font as I could. But I didn't really know how small it was going to be up on the screen until now. But. If you would like to, you can look up there and go in your Bibles. It starts like this, verse 13. Now, when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do do the people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and other Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, I know Pastor Jet had a pastoral prayer, but I always like, after I finish up the first verse, I'd like to um, open up with a word of prayer of my own just so that God can use me as as his instrument this morning. So if you wouldn't mind, we'll bow one one more time. Dear Father, in Jesus Christ's name, I pray this prayer. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come and speak your word today. God, I pray that you just, you use me as your instrument. You allow me to step out of the way And you allow the Holy Spirit to fill me and to fill each and every one of us that are here today to convict our hearts so that we may understand your words and we may apply them to our lives. We love you, Jesus, and in Jesus Christ's name I pray this prayer. Amen. So, who do you say? This is what I want you guys to all think about for the next 20 minutes or so. Who do you say that Jesus is? Some people today, and even back then, they said, Oh, he was a prophet. He was a teacher or a rabbi ahead of his time. Other people say he never really existed. For me, I say that Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. Today, I want to talk about who he is. A couple of points. He has been there from the beginning. His incarnation or his coming and taking human form. I'm going to talk about his death and resurrection. So dad should be happy. i got three main points there. Has Jesus really been there from the beginning? Yes, he has. He created everything. And I have evidence for that. The next verse we're going to read from, and I do apologize, you're probably not going to be able to keep up with me. I have about 13 verses we're going to be jumping around with. So if you would like, if you can see it, it's going to be up on the board and we're going to be jumping around a little bit. But the next verse we're going to go to is John 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The Word is Jesus. John 1, 14, That's how we know it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory of one of the... Uh, I'm sorry. We have seen His glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Before Jesus, a.k.a. the Word, became flesh, He was prophesied to come in the Old Testament hundreds of years before His birth. We look at the Old Testament and we see time and time again where he is represented and or specifically talked about in the Old Testament. Now, we could go through and point out where Jesus is mentioned in all these different places, but we'd end up being here the rest of the day. Now, I love to hear the sound of my own voice, but I don't imagine that you guys want to hear my voice for the rest of the day. So we're just going to stick with a couple of verses that I have picked out. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Micah 5, 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, and this word is a struggle for me. I do apologize. If anyone knows how to say it, you can just shout it out. But though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me One who will rule over Israel, whose origins are of ancient times. Jesus was prophesied to be born of a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. Those are just a couple of the verses. There are hundreds of prophecies that spoke about Jesus. And he didn't just fill 10 of them or 30 of them. He filled every single one. Now the statistics for him to fill even 100 of them are statistically impossible. For one person to fulfill even a hundred of them. Mary gave birth to Jesus oh, I'm sorry, Mary giving birth to Jesus was a sign that the Messiah had come. Jesus became Emmanuel, God with us. There was also a forerunner that would make the path straight for the coming Messiah. This also was prophesied 400 years before Jesus was born. Malachi 4, verses 5 and 6. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. We then see John the Baptist jump onto the pages of the New Testament. He comes in and he is making the path straight for the coming king and the coming Messiah. Now I'm going to talk about Jesus, that he was fully man and fully God. We know that Jesus was fully man because he got hungry, he got thirsty, he got tired, he got angry. He got irritable with his disciples. He gets irritable with me. Luke chapter, and we know this, that he was hungry and that he would feel the same thing that we feel. Luke chapter 4, verse 2 says this. Where for, for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Could you imagine 40 days of fasting? I can't go 10 hours without me being irritable. I couldn't imagine 40 days. And then you add the, the most difficult temptations that had ever been upon anyone. Jesus was just like you and me. He would get hungry, he would get tired, he would become exhausted. Now, I understand exhaustion for the first time in my life. I do. If some of you, I, I hide the bags under my eyes pretty well. But staying up for even 24 hours on the day of the birth of our kid, I can't quite fathom what, or imagine or depict what that was like. So the exhaustion that Jesus felt when he had the multitudes of people coming, one after the other, asking to be healed. He was exhausted. He would have the joys of Friendship. I have a very special thing today. My closest friend in the world is sitting right back there. Him and his wife and their little girl came from Delta to come hear me preach this morning. He felt sorrow for losing the loved ones that he had. Scripture tells us he wept outside of Lazarus's tomb. Jesus went through every kind of temptation that we could ever go through. If you are dealing with a temptation even here today, Jesus understands it. And so much more. However, during those temptations, as we talked about in the 40 days that he was out in the desert, he never gave in to them. I can honestly say... I've given in to a temptation even just yesterday. And it's early today. I'm sure I'll give in to one again later this afternoon. But that just shows that he is perfect. He is without blemish. And he is the perfect sacrifice. Jesus was also fully God. God became flesh and walked and lived among us. Jesus has authority over the weather. Scripture tells us he can cast lightning bolts back up in the sky. He can look at the storm and say, calm, be still. And it immediately becomes calm. Jesus has authority over demons. Scripture tells us time and time again. The demons, in one specific case, begged him to not be cast out. They begged him to be cast into pigs. Because it was a better situation for them than what was to await them. Jesus simply gave them permission, which showed his authority over all of them. Not just one demon, but a legion of them. Jesus has authority over disease. For people would come from all over the land just to get a chance to see him. In the hopes of being healed. Multitudes. You know, I I looked up to see how many a multitude is. Thousands of people. Thousands. I couldn't imagine. You know, stand up on a hill and look and there's just a sea of people. And they all want to see you one on one. I couldn't imagine how exhausting that would be. But he had compassion on them and he went down and he healed them. People could just touch the corner of his cloak and they would be healed. He wouldn't even be at, have to be in the same town and he could heal someone. He would speak it and it would happen. Jesus has authority over death. He told Lazarus, come out. And in that moment, Lazarus did that. The religious leaders asked Jesus time and time again of the day, asked time and time again, how is he able to do these things that he did? Time and time again, Jesus would make the claim, he is God. And the leaders burned with so much anger, they were ready to kill him then and there on the spot. John chapter 10, verse 30 uh, through 33. I am the father, I'm sorry, I and the father, let's try this again. I and the father are one, Again, his Jewish opponents picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus said to them, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? We are not stoning you for any good work, they replied. But the blasphemy, because you are a mere man claiming to be God. Jesus is God. His claim is true. But Jesus loves you so much that he was willing to come down from his heavenly throne, take on human form, and die for my sins, for your sins, and for the sins of the world. It is hard to understand that kind of love. Agape is the Greek term. Am I right? I believe that is correct. Greek, yes. Agape, it's a love that they had to create a word because there was no other word for it. It is God's love. Jesus' love that he has for us is hard to fathom, understand the love that God had for us that he would send his one and only son to die on the cross for us. Now, I didn't work out with the worship team this morning on the verses that were chosen, but the most famous verse of all time, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The gospel in a nutshell, as Billy Graham would say time and time again. Jesus suffered and died on that old rugged cross for you and for me. He is the perfect sacrifice. He never sinned. He was without blemish. While he was on that cross, he cried out in a loud voice, It is finished. And then he died. The land became dark, the earth shook, and the curtain of the temple was torn. Even the soldiers that hung him on that cross, that put those nails in his hands, knew who he was at that moment. Mark fifteen thirty nine. and when the centurion who stood in front of Jesus heard his cry and saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. Jesus took the sin of the world and died on the cross for you and for me. But three days later, he conquered death. And that stone was rolled away. The tomb is empty. He is risen. Mark 16, 5 and 6. As he entered the tomb... They saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Jesus rose from the grave and conquered death once and for all. Now, I have a question for you, dear friends. We know He's been there from the beginning. We know that He took human form and walked among us. We know that He died on the cross for you and for me. And He conquered death three days later. And He is alive today. Who do you say He is? And do you say that He is who He claims to be? Dear friends, I plead with you here today that if you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior and repented of your sins, I plead with you do that here and now. He wants so badly To have a relationship with you. He pleads with you. The Holy Spirit you feel in your heart right now. Pulling at your heart. Making the emotions in your heart feel almost unbearable. That's Him reaching out to you. Please do not wait another day. Because if you wait any longer, it could be too late. Because make no mistake, He is coming back. And we are moving closer and closer to that glorious day each and every day. Now I told my father, or my father told me rather, that he wanted me to have three main points. Well, I'm going to have to disappoint him because I have four. The fourth point is, we're going to talk about His return. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel. And with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always... Be with the Lord. He's coming. It could be today. Boy, wouldn't it be great if... Right now. I always imagine that to happen. But I don't think I'm that lucky. Are you ready? I am. However, for those of us who are believers... We have some work to do. My pastor back in Oklahoma, uh, Pastor Allen, I'm going to give him a little shout out. His, uh, his, he does a video sermon every Sunday. Um, usually, he, it's kind of funny because he'll go in random different places around the town or he'll be on vacation as he was this last week. And he'll do a little video, 10, 15 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes, on his sermon that he would preach on that Sunday. I'm going to borrow something from him because I really like what he said. He put it this way, the church as a whole has gotten into a way of living that has made us into consumers of the gospel. We come to church every Sunday morning, we hear Pastor Jed preach, and it is amazing. I, I love coming and hearing him preach. We sit there, we feel revitalized, we feel our spirits swell up with hope and with love, and then we go home. And then we come back next Sunday... To become consumers. But we don't go out and we don't proclaim the gospel. We don't even tell the people that are around us. On our daily lives. I'm guilty of this myself. Church. Don't think I'm pointing a finger. I do it too. I have a tendency to keep Jesus to myself. Because I love that feeling in my heart. I love that feeling of the Holy Spirit being within me. So today, church, I challenge you. Take some time this week. Write out all the places that you go on a daily basis. Work, the store, the barbershop, whatever it may be. And once you wrote out those places, think about the people that you encounter at those places each and every day. And how you would be able to share Christ with them this week. And share who Jesus is to you. Let's pray. Dear Father in Jesus Christ's name I pray this prayer. Thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the opportunity to speak your words. Be with us as we go through this week. Fill us with the Spirit so that we may feel encouraged to go out and proclaim your gospel of who you are, Jesus. We are so grateful for what you did for us on that old rugged cross so that we may be able to have eternity with you. We love you, and in Jesus Christ's name I pray this prayer. Amen.